See, now it's super quiet. Fuck you, soundboard. Welcome to Geeks Without God with Tim Wick, Nick Glover, and Molly Glover. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We don't recognize moral authority. We don't accept divine superiority. We're geeks, geeks without God. This week on Geeks Without God, our guest is Scott Lohman. He's our resident Trexpert, and he's here to talk about the first three seasons of Star Trek Discovery with us. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, geeks without God. Welcome to Geeks Without God. I'm your host, Tim Wick. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Nick Glover. Hey! And Molly Glover. It's me in the room! I know! IRL! <laughs> We're all in the same room using the sound stuff that, that like our patron supporters bought us. For the first time in 15 months! I know, it's insane. And what's even more insane, we have a guest with us. Yes! Who's in the same room with us, too. It's Scott Lohman. Hi, Scott. Hello, guys. Yay. Welcome back. Uh, you are you. you are what we would call our, our Star Trek expert because we have done, I believe... Trekspert? One, yeah, Trekspert. <laughs> Trekspert or Trekologist. Oh. Yeah, we've done, we've done I believe, one episode about Star Trek in the time that we've been here, and it was with you. So mm-hmm. now huh. that we're doing an episode about Star Trek Discovery... We thought, golly, we ought to bring our Star Trek expert back. So welcome back. Until recently, there wasn't a lot of Star Trek to talk about. It's true. (laughs) And we tend to focus on newer stuff. Now we're in the renaissance of Star Trek. The Star Trek renaissance. Very much. And we we didn't bring you back for Picard because that was the middle of the pandemic and anything, things were Mm -hmm. weird. Mm -hmm. Good, though. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yep, Picard was very good. We enjoyed Picard, but we are here to talk about Discovery. We Excellent. are in we are in the midst we are in the the hiatus between season 3 and season 4. Uh, we hadn't talked about it earlier. Uh I hadn't watched it and then my son Alex came to me and Pat and said, "Hey, I hear this Star Trek Discovery show is pretty good and we have Paramount Plus. Why don't we watch it?" Yeah. And we thought all right, what the hell? It's actually something our child wants to watch with us, so we'll do it. And yeah. uh, over the last couple of months, we've uh, slowly worked our way through all three seasons. Obviously, Scott, you probably have seen all three as they came out. Yes, I was I was watching them on premiere date for mm. all three seasons. Because you are a longtime Star Trek fan. Yes. Yeah, you're, not I, a, you're not a fair-weather Star Trek fan <laughs> like some of us. My Star Trek fandom goes actually back to the airing of the original series, because I was... Born before it came out. Because you're that old. I'm okay. That old is right. Yeah, yes. We we watched the first season roughly as it was coming out. And Maybe the catch up sometimes. And, and the sex, second season, we didn't start watching it until it was over. And then the third season, we were just a couple of weeks behind yep. as things yep. aired. All right. So, so, yeah, we've all seen it. We've all been all the way through. I probably have it most familiar in my mind. All the way through is actually maybe worth exploring a little bit. Okay. Um, we can talk to the, about this a little bit more when we get to talking about the second season, but we didn't actually finish the second season. We 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 had about four or five episodes to go, and we just kind of the story just didn't catch us at that point, and other things were there to watch, and that was before the so, pandemic. Okay. So like, and then, and then we just kind of were like, let's just start so, with season three. I, so I, you missed the four best episodes of the entire well, series, is that right? I don't is that right? Think, not from what I've read. Yeah. So and here's the thing: like, I'm I'm fairly active in a couple of like Star Trek meme 
groups ship like Star, uh-huh. Star Trek ship, ship posting, <laughs> and um, and so I saw a lot of you know jokes and people talking about it in discussion and and whatnot, and it seemed like the consensus was you can just kind of basically jump on to season three. You don't need to finish season two. To, once you understand the concept, the premise of season three, it's like got it, let's yeah. go, and, and you can just kind of go, and and we did, and we we got caught up real fast. Well, I mean it. I should mention, by the way, listeners. Yeah. There will be spoilers. Oh yeah. Uh, a lot. There is. There is. There. There's no way to not spoil this series if we is, talk about. There are secrets to spoil. And there's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of secrets yeah. to spoil. We're also going to spoil some of the original series. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. but that that's 55 years old, and yeah. I feel better about that. Guess what um, happens yeah. to Christopher Pike? Okay. So. Yeah. <laughs> So, with all that preamble, Scott, you are our, our Trek expert. So, why don't we start with you? Uh, what are your feelings on Star Trek Discovery? Um, I like it a lot, and um, what's nice is it's gotten Trek back where it's it works best, which is being episodic television. And mm-hmm. uh, poor old and Enterprise went off the air in two thousand four, and so then we were no Trek for a while. And the J.J. Abrams movie that came out in 2009 did what I wanted it to do, which was reinvigorate interest in the entire Star Trek franchise. Mm. I liked that movie, actually. I liked all the Abrams movies. They're they're fun. I'm I'm not nuts about the follow-ups, but I liked that movie. Yeah, that one is just, it's got a lot of fun in it. And the more I watch him, the more I appreciate Chris Pine's performance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That man had a tight rope to walk to pull Mm -hmm. that off, and he did it. You know what I... He did a good job, too, honestly. I thought and he did a great job, and I also think Carl Urban is oh, yeah. a great bones. Carl Urban was basically channeling yeah. the forest. Anton Yelchin, like one of his yeah. greatest yeah. roles, like yeah. yeah. before he died. Yeah. Like, it, honestly, great. Uh, like Carl so. Urban, my favorite bones. Like I don't. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. But yeah. but anyway, so, so so that's the fun. So that's what that did when it came out. And my wife and I like to go to uh, used bookstores to do mm-hmm. that. And as that movie came out, there was nary a Star Trek film on the shelf. In uh-huh. used bookstores. Ah, hey. So they were disappearing off of there. So I'm like, that's a really good sign. And yeah. so then at that point, people who look at television and its things were going, Star Trek is ripe to go back to television. So mm-hmm. then it was a matter of who was going to get the call to come up with a new concept. And so since um, Alex Kurtzman worked on those three films, um, and then Brian Fuller was well-respected for his working mm-hmm. on series. The two of them were the ones that basically came up with Discovery. And then they brought in a whole bunch of, um, of pretty good background people to work on that. Because um, I like to see who's going to be working on the show, doing the writing and the producing, because they're going to hire competent actors, and I'm mm-hmm. not going to worry about them. Um, in this case, they, they brought in um, Kirsten Beyer, who had made her writing chops, writing original Voyager novels placed at the end of the series that were well received. So she was brought on board. And then a number of others were brought on. And uh, so to be that writer core for that first season. And so then they were looking for a different focus for us for a Star Trek series. Because traditionally, the lead in the show is the captain of the ship Mm -hmm. and everybody else hangs out. Mm -hmm. And you get crew that, you know, that does that. Um, the original series was stronger focused on Captain Kirk and then Spock. And I'm reading a fascinating series of books that looks at the memos and the production of the original series. Oh. And 
you keep going, well, this was really cool. It's like, oh my God, the original concept for this episode was truly awful. Oh, wow. <laughs> you managed to pull it off. So, Amazing. Yeah, it's quite fascinating. So then when they decided to make the focus not our captain, but a who would, there was a di- couple of different ways they looked at Burnham, either going to be a first officer or that, whereas in the first season was basically a character going out to redeem herself. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I mean, a, a criminal. Uh, I mean, was a criminal yeah. on that. A war criminal. Yeah. <laughs> war criminal, yeah, started the actual war. Yep. So, and then, eh. yeah. Yep. Instrumental in beginning the war. Exactly. Yeah. You can look at it that way. <laughs> yeah. And then they had a really neat supporting cast that they brought in. Yeah. I mean, you've got Anthony Rapp, who's... Um, known for his singing and then brought in and Star Trek has its first openly gay set of characters Mm -hmm. and is kind of putting it out there and kind of not, which is kind of neat on that. And then third season, they brought even, even more, um, spectrum characters, which is very cool. Uh, the lead actress was, we knew who she was for a long time, but they couldn't actually announce that Sonequa Martin-Green was mm. going to be the lead until her character was bumped off in The Walking Dead. So, uh, oh, interesting. <laughs> interesting. So yeah. they had to wait on that, that announcement. But the, the reports would always be, these guys are all cast, and we know she's there, but they haven't officially said right. so. Who was she in The Walking Dead? Was she Michonne? No. No. Who was she? I, we stopped watching. Yeah, I know. I, used to, okay. I, okay. I made it into part of second season yeah. of The Walking Dead, and it's like... That's about where we got to. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. This is a character I don't know then. All yeah. right. Yeah. Fair. So then that's when um, they were able to announce, and then they went into production, and the first two episodes, it's a, it's a two-parter, which is really neat, and um, it starts out with our main character going, whoopsie, what's yeah. going to happen from here? And we don't even see our title ship until the third episode mm-hmm. in. Yeah. yeah. So context is for Kings when we get to meet Captain Lorca um, and uh, then the, the crew working for him mm-hmm. as they come on board. And so then she gets integrated. And when they had announced characters, all of us were going, hmm, Tilly, an ensign going mm-hmm. to be annoying. And she, she's the <laughs> one of the breakout characters that she's everybody great. loves in the series. Because Mary Wiseman. Yeah. Enjoys herself immensely. She's a delight. She brings so much heart to Tilly is the thing. Like, because Tilly, I feel like, Tilly is who you can most... Uh, 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 associate yourself with in terms of who would I be? Me, the average nerd, you know, sitting on my couch, probably not super good at sports, you know, probably not like, you know, necessarily like, you know, all that go-getter, you know, not super, you know, and so Excited like... Excited to be on a yes, ship. Yes, yes. Like and any of us would be. Exactly, but also like feeling insecure, worried about whether or not she's got the chops to stack up against literal legends that she's here in the ship with, right? She's the I, first Starfleet yeah. character that's not rail thin. Yes, yes. Huh. and they never you know talk what? about it. No, it's never, never a joke. brought up. No. They don't joke about it. Like it's. I it's, mean, it's, it's actually yeah. one of the things I like most about uh, Stamets and Hugh is yes. that there was never a moment where they're like, "Hey, everybody, check it out, gay character." Right. It's just like just, he goes, he goes home one night, and there's his husband, which is another character that we met. Yep. Yeah. And and it's like, oh, okay, we've got we've got. And there's no storyline around it. Like in TNG, there was all there yeah. would have always been a storyline around nobody it. Nobody ever talks. Nobody ever talks about the fact that this is a gay couple as if it's anything that anybody gives a shit about, but, which they shouldn't. There's no and, character who has to grow by deciding he's actually okay with it. And, like, uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, Tilly is our first character, I think, to drop a drop an f bomb. Oh, yes. Yeah, that was yeah. so In cute. Star Trek. Which and it was the cutest F-bomb. It, it was endearing, too. Some people yeah. were upset by it. I think they can, I don't know, yeah. go yeah. sit on a tack. She gets a lot of the fun lines. Um, what's really fun is she's in one of the short tricks called Runaway, which is a neat thing that's where they just said, here, 
have fun, have mm. 10 minutes or 15 minutes to create Trek. Um, in the first episode, she's talking to her mother, who um, is just video, and then she gets to scream into a pillow, which is, <laughs> yeah, I just... thought, she did that so well, it huh. was Mimi Rogers playing her mom. Oh, so that's they, great. they have had some fun with just stunt casting. Yeah. So tell me, where do we find those short episodes? Because there is one episode near the end of season two where they reintroduce a character that only showed up in one of the short episodes. Oh. Yeah. So in the preview, they, they're like, previously on Star Trek Discovery, and we're like, we didn't see that fucking episode. And yeah. we're going back, and we're looking through, and we're like, she never showed up. What's going on here? That, that uh, was um, the queen, who oh, is also an Tilly's expert. Friend. Tilly's yeah, friend. Yeah, yeah who, queen. Who likes ice cream and is an expert on uh, dilithium technology. That's right. She can, like, infuse the crystal yeah, to, like, make it better. damn shame she didn't travel yeah. into the 33rd yeah, right? century. Yeah, they right. are on Paramount+. Plus. So just look up short oh, tracks. All okay, right. Short tracks. Them. Okay, we'll look I them also, up. I also, we are, I mean, this show is blessed to have Doug Jones because he's amazing. Oh, yeah. Not only does he bring just like the the gravitas and the sensitivity to Saru, but his I mean his physicality, the way he walks with his hands yeah, behind his back, swish. and like just he looked so alien. And most of the time on Star Trek, you know, an argument you can hear is like the aliens are just people in very stiff suits yes. with a lot of makeup. This was he looked like an alien. I, I mean, it was it was an amazing character. Like uh, the makeup, the the way it moved with his mouth and eyes, really well done application. Saru is a great character. I, I like him. I, I, I think my flappy that, doodles are tingling. <laughs> yeah, but I mean the way that they they take that that Kelpian arc, mm-hmm. you know, with with a race that we know nothing about. They're mm-hmm. like, we're just going to put it in this new race, and they could have just left it there. Like mm-hmm. whatever. He's a Kelpian, but it's a Kelpian. You'll whatever. But things. I mean, there's an arc over all three seasons on on what. Kelpians are and uh, where their society is and where it goes mm-hmm. mm-hmm. 930 yeah. years into the future yeah. that yeah. I think is is pretty impressive uh, yeah. and and almost seems on purpose. Yeah. 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 And the fun part you guys missed by not catching the last couple of episodes of season two is the Kelpians show up in Fighters. Oh, ah, yes, fun. we did read about that. that yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's great fun because yeah. Saru's sister is is piloting a fighter. Cute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just got really I got really over the Spock stuff. Like it just felt so shoehorned in. It, and it was just yeah. The it was like the it was the Red Angel stuff by that point. It was just like is just not interesting yeah. at that point. Yeah. And and reading about what they eventually did with it and and you know how that ended up when we picked it up on season three, it was interesting. I feel like maybe season two could have been half as long and gotten there a lot faster. But, you know, whatever. It's fine. We don't have to. There's still had lots of fun stuff. The amazing thing about season two is the casting of Anson Mount as Captain Christopher Pike. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Jeffrey Hunter's son um, actually went and met with Anson Mount oh, to talk nice. to him about doing that, considering his father is known for exactly one right? episode right? of yeah. Star Trek. Um, and it's an iconic performance at that, because that one is still an amazing performance, 56 years out, because that yeah. was done in 1964 mm-hmm. uh, on that. So that was the nice thing. And then that went over so well that I don't know if they were sending vibes to Paramount, but then Strange New Worlds was created specifically. And that... 
since you guys are mentioning story arcs, is going to be done episodically. Oh, oh exciting. So it's going to go back to, as we like to call it, traditional Trek, mm -hmm. um, with doing um, single episodes. Akiva Goldsman is going to be main writing producer for that. Akiva so. Goldsman does great stuff. He's so, definitely yeah. matured. He has, yeah. some, he has some scary stuff in his past, but he's oh. definitely got better in yeah. his old age. Didn't, didn't Akiva Goldsman just die? I don't think so. Hang on, I'm looking this up okay. because I could have sworn. Uh, really? It, uh, or maybe well, I'm thinking well, of Joel Schumacher. Up. Yeah. Uh, Did Joel Schumacher die? So <laughs> that's so. And Strange New Worlds is basically a TOS prequel. It's essentially yeah, correct. It's going to be essentially the original concept, if you want to look at it mm -hmm. that way. It's going to be Captain Pike and Number One and a very young Mr. Spock. So Lieutenant Spock, and that was the core of the cage. Is that yeah. same? Is the same actor who played young Spock in Discovery going to play him? And yeah, fun. I really liked that actor, and I yeah. thought he was doing a good job. I I really enjoyed the that. I think that was a part of it. Was I really liked the Michael Burnham raised by a Vulcan father, human mother, you know, situation mm. alongside Spock, and what that did to her, and how she, you know, felt like she had to become more Vulcan to really prove herself to her father and all that. But like then it just. It, to me it felt like that that it, it lost something toward the end of season two that I, I just didn't feel as strongly but I really love all of their all of their young kid stuff together it oh, was yeah. really very interesting fun interactions and they also enjoyed in, in uh, bringing up Burnham's Vulcanness and at the end of the episode the New Eden second episode in second season uh, Captain Pike took a phaser hit in order to uh, not have somebody else get killed by a phaser hit mm -hmm. and she's he's coming in into his ready room and he's wearing a thing and he says if you could be careful um, no laughing he says I was raised on Vulcan we don't do funny yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> And then he laughs. Well, and then the journey uh, of her becoming more human as she is mm -hmm. experiencing with, like, as she's living on Discovery and as she, you know, I really think Book is the person who really makes her. Yeah. I, I, you could argue, ironically, that it's the guy with the Klingon soul inside him yeah. that makes her start to feel her humanity. But, exactly. like, it's, yeah. Well, it's, um, I think the, the time spent apart from her time mm -hmm. and her people also is... When we find her in season three or when she meets up with Discovery mm -hmm. in season three, like she yeah. is a very different person and she is very uh, human. Softer. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, and I frankly love the fact that they just like jump forward a year and they don't tell us. Yeah. They, it's not like they go back and go, let's, let's show some flashback scenes of what happened. What she like, do? Nope. She's, it's been a year. It's just you, like, I've been here a year. I'm you, so happy to find you. Yeah. <laughs> you. From, from where they leave her off. And where they jump to her meeting up with Discovery, like the difference in those two points, you can assume that like some shit went down. Yeah. yeah. And and I like that they don't go mm -hmm. into it, but like clearly she had to adapt to this new world. She did some shit that is not uh, Starfleet approved, perhaps. <laughs> perhaps. And she's uh, very not Starfleet. And that's kind of a theme in the third season is her a bit be of an ironic be one. becoming more Starfleet again. Yep. yep. Remembering what that is, um, I uh, if if I have a critique for this series, it is that I think they do not do a great job with most of the secondary characters. It's mm. like this is the Michael Burnham show with a bunch of other people. Yeah, um, Saru gets time. Saru has had time, and the captains have generally had time. And and that, if anything, having having Pike be more of a character was nice. And Philippa got 
a pretty major character arc going through season two into season three. But, but, but compared to TNG, where we have like Jordy and Data and and Crusher and mm. like a whole bunch of these secondary characters who all got several episodes featuring them right. in the A plot. And we have a full bridge crew that we yeah. barely know. Um, and when, uh, and I'm losing the Android character and I just lost it her name. It begins with an A. Uh, yeah, yeah, it does. Arium. Arium. Yep. When Arium dies, I felt nothing because right. I didn't know anything about her. They had told me something about her character that episode. Yeah. yeah. And they had had a season and a half to make her character important to me. By the way, you should care about this character before they die. Yeah. yeah. I will say, I think season three did a better job of that because they had a whole, I, I feel like the, the, uh, the Trill uh, situation was a very big plot point that went on for a long time with uh, I can't remember uh, their name and their boyfriend uh, living inside them. Gray is Adira. the boyfriend. Gray is the boyfriend. Adira. Yeah. And Adira's yeah. and and them trying to talk to their boyfriend and them experiencing their non-binary status and and kind of having you know uh, uh, the the surrogate parents and and all of that I thought had a good good plot weight. Um, so I feel like maybe they are learning from the critiques yeah. of it being the Michael Burnham show yeah. and trying to to bring more in. I was I will say I was sick of Philippa by the time she was gone. <laughs> like they were like, if she goes through this door, she'll never come back. I'm like, go through the door. <laughs> <laughs> I like her, but boy, it was well, but she's going to be back. She uh, be they're back. making a new series uh, of Section Thirty One. That's a different show. As long yeah. as she won't yep. be back on Discovery, that's I, I presume about. she'll be back, and I presume Ash will probably that's, show up. That's interesting. That. I wonder that because that ends with her going some place and some when else, doesn't yeah. it? Like she goes through the what the door maybe to eternity, the, the gateway of tomorrow, the gateway of tomorrow from city on the edge of her and yeah. and and she's just you know maybe in an alternate reality or something. Which mm-hmm. interesting. I, I wonder. Be, yeah, it'll be very interesting. At this point, they've put that on hold um, for possibly a couple of years, but. Hmm. It's it's going to be hovering in the back of people's minds, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. Speaking of Section Thirty One, that was that was um, the guy who they meet in the future, who it represents, you know, the new Starfleet or Section Thirty One, who is uh, telling them, well, she's you know from another dimension and also sped through time, therefore her molecules hurt because she's too far away from her origin. That was like David Lynch. No, uh, no, Cronenberg. Right, it was Cronenberg, right. other yeah. weird David director <laughs> exactly. uh, with the or glasses. Or as we call him, glasses guy. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. That's pretty much how they referred to him. Yeah. I, I, well, how fun. Yeah, and there's something there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I do not trust that dude at all. Why should you? Yeah. <laughs> Quick question. So right now with Star Wars, for example, uh, yes. there is so much Star Wars content that there's, uh, we were just talking to a friend of the show, Jeremy Stomberg, and he was saying, I actually love that there's there's so much Star Wars that there are whole shows that I don't even want to watch and I don't need to. Bad, bad, like, bad, like bad the Bad Batch, for yeah. example, or like, you know, if some, a lot of people didn't watch Clone Wars, right? Do you feel like we're approaching that with Star Trek or, or will, do you, I'll, is there, will you watch all of it? I will watch all of it. I'm the wrong person to answer that I guess, particular question. Could um, there but, ever be something that you would be bored by? Uh, no, the one things I don't do that much are, are novels. Um, okay. I will read them depending. I will be author specific when it sure. comes to the Star Trek novels because I have read so many awful ones that it's like, uh, like you mm-hmm. know, I have so much time to read in my life and I can't, I'm not spending on somebody who's sticking a Mary Sue character. Yeah. That's, yeah. Star Wars, same boat. I want to yeah. see a lot of bad. I want to see a show that focuses on uh, a girl's dormitory and Starfleet Academy. That's what I want. Like a gossip girl. <laughs> 
Justin, the girls' <laughs> dormitory of Starfleet Academy, and what it's like to be a woman in the in, in because while it's the future and everyone's egalitarian, there's still way more men around usually. So it'd be interesting do, to see that they do a much better job on this series. Yes. In, in terms, of, I mean, the fact that they went ahead and they they cast their their lot with a, a lead who's a black woman, I think, mm-hmm. was really. Im- impressive, and I know it pissed a lot of fanboys off. Yeah, you know when they Die made mad. when they made uh, made the the captain ostensibly the captain was going to be an Asian woman, but then haha surprise. Yeah, uh, it was I guess a white not. man anyway. You're yeah. fine, everybody. Calm but, uh, down. <laughs> but I mean, the bridge crew. It's like, yeah, the only white dude on the bridge is. The guy playing Saru, but Saru is not a white dude, right? <laughs> exactly, uh, and that makes more sense because, like, honestly, like, what there's it always seemed weird to me in uh, earlier Star Trek shows where it's like, oh, it's the far future, but somehow the white race has managed to hang yeah. on. Well, it's um, I think that uh, the the preview pictures or whatever they've shown for the the upcoming animated. Um, Starfleet Academy prodigies, prodigies, prodigies. like like none of the characters they've shown are human. I think they're yeah. All the the main characters are aliens, and the only quote human will be uh, Catherine Janeway, who is a hologram. Yeah, that's fun. She's they're basically the initial plot is a group of their little flexible on their age span discover a Federation starship ah. and decide to see what they can do with it. And Janeway is there, basically their teacher and their hologram and say, okay, we're having trouble with the Whatchamadoodle. Can you help us? <laughs> like She-Ra. <laughs> and so uh, sure. uh, Kate Mulgrew is actually quite excited about yeah. that. I'm sure. And uh, so she's delighted to make a return to Janeway after 25 years for Voyager. She's been doing a lot of audiobook narration and uh, she's been doing uh animation of voice acting like she she plays a a reoccurring character in all four seasons of uh infinity train um Mm -hmm. she plays a a cat who is you know kind of uh (laughs) kind of a cat-like person in all that ways that you'd expect a cat to be kind of an Mm -hmm. asshole uh she would be very good at that yeah Yeah, she's great i mean it should be noted also that she was a stage actress long before she was she was yeah. Janeway, and she still does a lot of acting yeah. on the stage. Yeah. Um, that's like she, if it, most of the time she talks about how that's still her primary focus mm-hmm. is stage performing. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure that that doing Trek again is is pretty cool mm-hmm. uh, for her. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of Trek coming out. It's pretty fucking impressive. But I Discovery, I I really do like it. Like I say, I hope that actually now that, and it was super clear. And I thought maybe it was going to take the whole series that the arc was getting Michael Burnham in the captain's chair. And it's kind of interesting that they did that at the end of season three. And by ending with like the original Star Trek music and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. I wonder if they're going to start to dial it away from full length season arcs Mm -hmm. and and maybe make it slightly more episodic. A little bit of it in season four. They've dropped some some sort of preview hints on that, but. So we'll see how that works, but I think they'll probably stick in some more standalones in it. They did a bit of that in season three, which was kind of nice. It wasn't big part of the story. Mm-hmm. It was, it's going on in the background, but we're dealing with this in the foreground. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Which was nice. And then they are, well, I think they're going to start slowly also getting our bridge crew sort of off the bridge. They did a couple episodes of that in season three, which was fun. Um, and in season two, 
um, one of the bridge characters got to go down to the planet because she had been raised and that sort of thing. So she got off the bridge. So that was great fun. They brought Owo. Uh, uh, oh, 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 oh. um, her the actress name and her character name. Oh, Joanne is her first name. So they gave her ordinary name. But um, yeah, she got off the bridge and she hmm. she had fun. And she walked. Well, she, she did a very good job. It was fun watching her with both Burnham and Pike down on yeah. the planet. Um, and that episode coming in, that was right after the episode Brother, the season premiere for season three. And that one, I rank that in some of the, with some of the best episodes of Trek. Because it does classic Trek themes in mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Got mm-hmm. Thinking about the Prime Directive, finally. Mm-hmm. We're getting new chats about that. Um, on that. And um, even though they were humans, they didn't want to go in and interfere with what they what this culture survived with for like mm-hmm. 150 years so mm-hmm. um that to me was was going yes this yeah is star trek um and so that's that's the joy i've been having is just and then the little bits they'll throw in there and have fun um you guys missed the fun line tilly had in the episode in the end of season two where she had to go fix some of the deflectors on that and she said because uh, she said we had a game where we did this drunk and blindfolded <laughs> and so at the end of that it's on she said someone owes me a beer <laughs> that's great I didn't that's miss cute. the line. I just didn't remember. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> Until you brought it I, up. I, I, uh, season three started really strong yes. uh, uh, for me too. I and it ended really strong. I think as well. Like the 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 way things kind of all got tidied up together with you know the burn and the uh, what is it the emerald chain yes. mm-hmm. and yeah. and all that. Like I thought it was great. Mm, the Osira. emerald ch- em- emerald yeah. chain was yeah. a great villain. I loved Osira. Uh, oh, she's she was so she was good. great. Mm. Um, but I and the actress was enjoying herself. A bit. Oh yeah, Qu- quite a bit. Uh, the the stuff with the Kelpian kid on the planet, the dilithium planet. That that was fine. It went a little. It was a little. Long. It went a little longer than it needed to. There was just so much. Anytime a character's whole thing is, no, I don't want to. And then they run a little, they run away. And it's like, I guess we have to go convince him. After a while, after like the third, no, I'm like, okay. It's like eventually just, they're going to convince yeah. him. So just, yeah, just, just, let's just do something it's, else get for a while. With the fucking. I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't enjoy like a character or a plot that is basically someone screaming and having a tantrum. I, I think that is amplified with the level of their tantrum so clearly (laughs) you mean a universe problem causing tantrum and i I understand that what they're trying to do is is actually create a sense of danger for the characters we care about i get it for saru and for hugh but it could have been anything as soon as they were like but it's a hologram so we're not in that much danger i was like okay (laughs) so we're just worried about radiation they they jumped from the past to the future so they didn't see all of that next generation where they learned about how dangerous (laughs) hologram moriarty is would have been a whale right yeah, yeah. Keith Candido is doing review of, of Star Trek going through right now he's he's in the middle of Voyager and whenever there is a holodeck episode he says why is it even possible to de- <laughs> to turn off the safety yeah, right? yeah. turn off the safety protocols why would you put that in there yeah. <laughs> yeah. why would you make that possible it doesn't even make sense um because then Moriarty's I turned the just... knife to auto murder yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then Moriarty's just going to figure out how to do it and then you're screwed yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's um, if I had a frustration right at the end of the season, my frustration was actually that they put Tilly in a command situation. Then her first command situation, uh, she gets totally beat. 
Mm. So Michael mm-hmm. gets to rescue her. And that's, again, it, yeah. sometimes it, it yeah. turns into the, Michael is the one who rescues everyone. That's her sure. job. There's a hero's journey, and then there's a little, I mean, I hate to use yeah. the term Mary Sue because I think it gets overused, and that's, mm-hmm. if, for, especially when it comes to a, a female lead, right? Oh. It, all the time, people want to... Yeah, just yeah. like Ray. People always want to be like, Ray's a Mary Sue. It's like Luke's a Mary Sue. Calm down, right? But yeah. with, with Burnham, it's like, you know, there is the hero's journey. And season one definitely has a lot of that. But then yeah. after a while, it's just like, I think they just decided maybe to 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 be like, okay, fuck the haters. We're going to make this more Burnham. Yeah. You know? And so maybe that was, maybe that's why they want, maybe there were other causes at play to write her in more but I really wish Tilly had figured that out on her own or or, or at least the, the way she got beat wasn't just like she has a plan but nope Osira wins yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. you know because Tilly's plan was a good plan and <laughs> Hey. And I do like that they didn't always win, you know, yeah, because sure. I, that's something that I've always found. It's hard for me to watch shows where I know that the the our heroes will always prevail and there will not be any serious losses because it's episodic. And next episode, everything kind of needs to be reset back to zero. Mm-hmm. So I lose a little bit of that. But with Discovery, there felt like there could be real consequences at any time. And so when they did lose, it felt like a real loss and I mean, not. They, yeah, they killed Hugh and he was yes. gone for almost an entire yeah. season, except for some flashbacks or weird hologram yeah. shit. And then they um, brought him back with mushroom space magic. And then they brought yeah. him back with mushroom space magic. Yeah, but the entire show is mushroom <laughs> space, space magic. Space magic, yeah. Warp black. Black alert. That's it. Black alert. I mean, a lot of people were so hating on the spore drive stuff and I think that the way season two ends and season three begins, uh, it totally like it, it, anyone who's like, that's a plot hole now has to like shut the fuck up because <laughs> like it ends with them being like, by the way, you can't tell anyone about our existence and everyone has to assume we're destroyed because otherwise it could literally yeah. end yeah. all of organic life. And it's like, oh, that's how. <laughs> That's how it was never mentioned before. That's how no one had it. It's a top secret science thing during a war, so it's a secret. Also, it will ruin the spore network if it's overused too much, so we can't make more. Also, it disappeared into the future and everyone assumed it was destroyed and we can't talk about it or everyone will die. Like, I feel like they covered that. Everyone who didn't know would die off. Right, yeah. They they had to cover it. They covered it from, like, three different angles, uh, one for each season, Mm -hmm. and... Um, I think it was a, a. I thought it was good. I like that. I and think I, I love the fact that season three jumps us nine hundred thirty years into the future. It's kind of like the Abrams movie. My favorite thing about the Abrams movie is they said, "Okay, this is an alternate timeline. If you, all you Star Trek fans, the Star Trek you remember still happened." Yeah, mm-hmm. but sure. This this is not that Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Same characters, yeah. but they are going through a different timeline, and we can do whatever the f we want yeah. with them. Yeah. Um, with this, by jumping 930 years in the future, what what we've done is basically taken it out of any Star Trek timeline. We we fixed the Star Trek mm-hmm. timeline we had so yeah. that everything that's happened has made sense. I, I think it butts into the whole like quantum future war thing that they talk about in Enterprise a little bit, maybe. They, mm. they went past that time period. They go past. Okay. Yeah. Oh, we don't even have to worry. That's about right. The, the um, no, the the super skinny long Enterprise that they show in Enterprise from the future is actually one of the old Federation ships that they show in the Federation bubble. That's right. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're well past that point. So they, they, yeah, they they managed the time to wars came and went. Scott, was there anything? Was there anything that you didn't love? Was there anything that you were just kind of like, eh, I wish that had been different? There, there were. 
here and there they did mm -hmm. things like that, but for overall, just um, as as someone who um, who survived the '70s when we went from <laughs> which is the desert of Star Trek, we yeah. getting from the end of the animated series to the motion picture premiering in 1979 when we heard. It's going to be a TV movie. It's going to be a big movie. It's going to be a TV movie. It's going to be a big mm -hmm. movie. It's going to be a series. And then, no, the series got canceled. Uh-huh. So, um, it, you know, I'll enjoy those bits. There you know, there are times with, with all Trek where they're just kind of not quite as perfect sure. with yeah. some. So then I'll just, you know, that won't be one I'll necessarily go back to mm -hmm. on that. But there are ones, you know, that I go back to. And... Um, like I'm, there's an appreciation I've got for fourth season Enterprise. There are three trilogies in there and a two-parter that are delightful Star mm. Trek, and it makes up for the fact that that poor series was kind of lost and confused for a while. Yeah. The so. the the war stuff that happens in Enterprise is really good. Oh yeah, season, like season three is a, it, a wonderful story it, arc, and they had fun. Yes. There's an episode called Impulse, which is a Haunted house zombie story with Vulcans as the zombies. Oh, I remember that. I can't go. I mean, wrong with I that. mean, Vulcans are kind of zombies, right? I mean, oh like, God. like if you, as long as you can skip the theme song, Enterprise is what worth watching just for uh, Jeffrey Combs as Shran. Oh yeah, like, like that is a super fun. Just an Andorian who fucking hates humans but has to deal with them all the time. I mean, he has so much contempt in his voice and how it ends with him and the their relationship is I'm perfect. I'm eye rolling is because you're like, oh. Jeffrey Combs, he's so great in this role. It's like he's fucking Jeffrey Combs. Well, yeah, yeah. He's, he's. I mean, come on. How was he had like thirty different roles in Star Trek I know, shows? And he's great in all of them. So yeah. I'm just like I roll Jeffrey Combs. And, oh yeah, and he's a member of the Trek Rat, Rat Pack crew. Huh. So at the conventions, he along with several others um, do sort of a Las Vegas act. Oh, delightful! With, with with Trek theme stuff, and huh. so they they rewrite songs and they just play enjoy themselves immensely. I love it. That's great. Okay, well, uh, that we could talk a lot more about Star Trek Discovery three seasons, but uh, I, you know, I think it's really good. Looking forward to season four coming yeah. out and this coming January, and more lower decks, and more Picard, and more, yeah. Yeah. more everything. Yeah. We are in the Trekassance. Trekassance. The Trekassance. That's a good yeah, term that for that. Yeah. yeah. But uh, we got to get to five questions. Fortunately, five questions. fortunately, Scott, you're second time on the show, so you get to bring five questions for us. Yep. We don't know what they are. No. It's a big surprise. No. So, uh, We've so, ourselves by reading them ahead of time. I know. We decided to go into this one blind. 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 Into yeah. darkness. So what's question oh. number one? Oh, that was I, I got I that. I got that. The Trek nerd to ask Trek-related questions. Okay, so, that's good. In the Star Trek universe, if you could pick any ship to be your personal ship, which one would you choose? Oh, jeez. Oh. I can start with that so you guys can think. Yeah. Um, you know, most people are going to pick your basic Enterprise. I'm going for a runabout, huh. which is your compact starship that's got... In, it was originally conceived that the back section could be changed out and have all sorts of different things in it. Yeah. Uh, however, in DS9, they never even showed the back section um, on that. But they could have, like, a cargo pod or a science pod or mm -hmm. a lab pod on that. And so then it has the ability to do that, and you could have a crew of four off cruising around. So that's what I like about it. Similarly, like, I, I don't want, like, a huge... Uh, Galaxy class, anything, uh, but I'll go a little bit different. I want the Defiant. God damn it! Uh, uh, because uh, it can, it can, it it can cloak, it can protect itself. You you don't need a you basically need a family to operate it. Yeah. Like yeah, the Defiant. You're gonna pick Defiant too, Tim? Yeah, I was gonna pick Defiant, well, but now I won't. Now say why? Well, be, 
I'm not picking Defiant because you right. did, and He's screw you. Defiant. Yeah, I'm oh, being Defiant. I get it. I'm going <laughs> to pick Book Ship. Now I'm picking oh, yeah. because because I love that future tech morphing it's, shit that that, that ship programmable can do. matter ship programmable yeah. matter. It's got a cat. I mean, yes. that's maybe the best part about it is that it's got a cat. Biggest fucking cat you've ever I was, seen. Was gonna say book ship because I don't know. Oh. I see it's a tit for tat. Yeah. Uh, I want to go with a Romulan warbird. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. they look really dope, and I really think it would be fun to just be like, if I'm if I'm in space, might as well just be on my own, just uh, fucking up with the and like just messing with the Federation, right? That's just, yeah. just like just doing drive-bys. The <laughs> the TNG uh, warbird is the only model kit I put together of a yeah. Star Trek ship. Nice. It's mm. very nice. satisfying. All, All right. those like curves and open space in the middle. And, and now I'm a little disappointed I didn't pick the Klingon cult death ship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With all the dead bodies around oh, the outside. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Very yeah. Reaver. Question two. Question two is, um, if the Star Trek world is going to be our future, which Star Trek era would you like to live in? Mm. You know, starting with, you know, Enterprise uh, or going all the way to Discovery in 3188. I feel like TNG is seems like a golden era for humanity and Earth specifically, right? Like clearly there's a whole bunch of war and shit goes down before that in TOS and Enterprise. And clearly the future is chaotic as fuck and with the dilithium problems and all that. I feel like the TNG era is just great. You could live in California near Starfleet Academy and just be a regular dude living in your uh, deluxe Autom- fully automated luxury space mm-hmm. communism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to go with the TNG era too, pretty much for all the reasons you said, but also just I think that the uh, the outfits were really great. So, uh, oh. uh, some of the not oh, for no, women, not they for are I don't, hilarious. I don't know. Like, they are hilariously fun. Uh, but no, I really I really enjoy uh, it seems like that is like you said it's a time of peace and prosperity mm-hmm. and uh, I I know that I am uh, too soft to live in wartime. <laughs> I am pretty confident. <laughs> I'm too used to my amenities and there seem to be plenty of amenities in that era. Very true. Yeah. I don't know. I I kind of like the 930 years into the future era, just because uh, you know you don't really know what the fuck's going on. It, it's got a little bit. And I mean, for most people, it's probably great. And still, there's also fucking programmable matter. I mean, yeah. yep. that's pretty freaking personal transporter. Personal transporter. Just because yeah. you can't travel like across, you can't do that long distance travel as often. It doesn't mean that you aren't still having an amazing life. Like right? a whole yeah. planet. Really, yeah. it's more. That's more of a military issue with the dilithium it, shortage I, than anything. I, I feel like being in that time period from our present would basically be like living in a fantasy world at yeah. that point. Like it wouldn't even feel like science fiction. It'd just be like, I live in a fucking magic future yeah. where everything is yeah. just magic and I'll never understand all this, but gosh, isn't it fun? Yeah. What about you? I agree. I actually am going to go back to the other end of the spectrum, mm. the Enterprise era. Is a lot of fun because it's you've got sort of the frontier yeah. on that as they're they're exploring they're they're making relationships with the species. Archer gets stuck in the middle. It's like guys, we have to quit arguing and shooting each other. <laughs> this does not solve anything. Wild Wild West. Wild Wild yeah. West. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, kind of fun. Yeah, because there's there's even a, an episode in um, third season Enterprise North Star that is. A Star Trek Western. Oh, yeah. sure. And yep. they have some fun with that. That and makes sense. Sticking in Star Trek themes as well as having a Western. Nice. Also Shran. Also, I mean. Also yep. Shran. <laughs> There's also Shran. Question <laughs> number three. Uh-huh. Number three is various parts of Star Trek are somewhat underappreciated. Do you have a favorite of Trek that's not everybody's like mainstream, like ne- next gen? And, mm-hmm. on that? 
What about you? You should answer what we think. Uh, well, yeah. uh, my, I, I'm going to have two. Mine is, is Star Trek The Motion Picture. Mm. I am one of the hardcores on that. And what was really fun at, at Star Trek Las Vegas 2019 is it was the 40th anniversary of the release. And Douglas Trumbull was there to oh, talk about fun. making Star Trek The Motion Picture. And I have his autograph. That's just, fun. It was five days of trekking nirvana so that's fun and then of course the original animated series is mm. oh. underappreciated even though now several parts of it are considered canon mm. yeah so from the episode yesteryear where uh old spock goes back to help young spock the salot those salots they used that as a basis for the salots that showed up in enterprise <laughs> which is great fun. and the and plus i mean cat people i'm gonna go with uh the next generation movie nemesis Right? Oh, that's what, that's, that's yeah. yeah. I I liked that movie. I know a lot of it's people. Uh, Tom really Hardy. Hated it. Yeah. yeah, I oh, yeah. loved it. I thought it was great. I was I I came out of it being like that was amazing and was shocked how many people mm. were like I didn't think that was very good or whatever. I thought that was I loved that movie. Uh, so mine is uh, uh character specific more so than than show specific. Um, I think a lot of I think Voyager gets a bad rap. Uh, for a lot of reasons, I think the original concept of Voyager, if they had actually followed through on that, like tracking how many photon torpedoes they had throughout the entire show and all that stuff, yeah. I think that would have been the fucking best Trek ever if they had done that. They didn't. That's fine. But Janeway is probably my favorite captain. She mm. is. Yeah. I. There are fun things about Janeway. I always characterize her as a mix of Kirk and Picard. Yeah. Mm. Because she's going to be diplomatic, but she's also going to punch you out if you mm -hmm. make a move. Mm -hmm. Totally. Big she, mom energy. Yeah. It's, <laughs> like. it's, she doesn't have her Earl Grey. She has coffee, and if she doesn't have her coffee, someone's getting cut. Yeah. Like big I mom can, energy. Yeah. I can. I can really. Like I don't have time for your childish squabbles. Figure and, your shit out. And like, just yeah. the the balance between, uh, you know being a trying to to adhere to starfleet regulations and ethics but also being not anywhere fucking near starfleet fleet and and making those hard calls uh like uh you know tuvix yeah. shit like that like i i i like all that yeah, yeah i'm not going to say uh it's the greatest of all treks but i think uh that star trek 3 suffers mm. because it is sandwiched by Wrath of Khan and Voyage Home. Yes. Which is one that, has the whales? That's Voyage Home. Okay. Home. That's yep. Star Trek Four. Star yep. Trek Three is the search for Spock. Now, I'm not going to say it's the best Star Trek movie, but it is better than, because, you know, there's always the even Star Trek movie mm -hmm. good, odd Star Trek movies bad, but I think... I think Search for Spock is pretty good. It's yeah. just not as good as the two movies on either side of it. Yeah. So think it gets the Whales forgotten. one is good? Yeah, the Whales one's The Whales awesome. one's awesome. Yeah, that Maybe I haven't seen it for a long time. Yeah, I remember it being really dumb. Fantastic. Okay. Uh, yeah. He picks up the mouse and tries to give the computer orders like, Hello, like where do you right have here. your nuclear vessels? Like, come on. We'll have to watch it again. Yeah, we'll have to watch, watch it again. Uh, Spock Especially neck pinches a dude on the bus who's yeah. listening to his boombox. Especially the way with they, where they bracketed because Nicholas Meyer helped write all of the sections in San Francisco. Okay. Huh. So you can see his, his I'll have to go back. just bouncing around like when you know, Spock is talking about the language. You see that in the literature of the area. You know, the novels of Jekyll and Suzanne and things like <laughs> this. And like, oh, there's Nicholas Byer had to stick yeah. that out. I haven't seen it fun. since I was a kid. I just remember thinking Saving the Whales was dumb. Well, so maybe that's why I need to go back to it. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's not the... Anyway, okay. uh, question or, number four. Which captain would you want to serve under? 
Cisco. Yeah. I'm just saying it right now. I'm not yeah. letting anybody else take it. <laughs> Cisco's a badass motherfucker, and yeah. he doesn't take shit from anybody. <laughs> Uh, I will also pick Cisco. I'm not afraid to say the same answer as someone else, uh, but, but for slightly different reason. Um, I I would. He's. I've I've never really thought of him as a captain. Right. He's more like a governor to me because he's in charge of Deep Space Nine. He, he's his office is always been a little bit more political to me and you know eventually as the series goes on that becomes a little bit more than political uh, and religious. Uh, but. I would, I would love to live in Deep Space Nine and have some normalcy and have people traveling in and out. And also, I feel, I'd feel i feel safe under Cisco. I don't think I'd feel safe under Picard on the Enterprise or under Janeway on the Voyager. Or and Also, if you're with Cisco and you're going to go out on a mission, you get to go out on the Defiant. Right? I mean, yes. yeah. Come on. See, I would going to go with, with Picard, and it's because he is the least military of all the captains, I think. He's the one that strikes me as being the, the most... Uh, the, like somebody who I could gel with as somebody who's into theater and literature and who likes, I like to read. I'm, you know, I, I think that he and I could, I could serve under him and feel like I was understood. I feel like the other captains tend to be a little bit more jockey and a little bit mm. more like aggressive. And that's yeah. not something I want in my authority figures. I need somebody who's going to like be a little bit more reasonable. And I always sure. felt like he was a man of more reason and intelligence than brute force. And I would, uh, that's who I would want the as my captain. Diplomat of culture. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. A man of culture is a good way yeah. to put it. Yep, yep. How about you? I'm actually going to go with Captain Archer. No. Because he started out as being an explorer, and third season he had to go, okay, we have to save our planet. I'm going to have to get tough. Mm-hmm. Watch him going from being a test pilot to a starship captain to an explorer to having to be basically the leader in a war. That's Bakula's character, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep, right. Yep. Scott Bakula's performance in watching episodes of Enterprise actor. is just... I find things I've mm-hmm. missed most a number of times going through. So um, I dislike just, Archer so much. And it's so much it's he's a product of his time. Yeah. Like so, you know, he's like kind of a racist. Time or like he's a product of like the time he was written. <laughs> the 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 setting for yeah. the oh, setting. like like because there is no federation and there aren't really any Got associations yeah. with aliens, he's there's he's very xenophobic. Sure, yeah. sure. Because humanity is Experience encountering all these aliens. Yeah, in the original series, Bones is super racist. Well, <laughs> but it's in the original series, it's the '60s, and isn't everyone pretty racist? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Question number five. Five is what world in the Star Trek universe would you want to go visit? Ooh, Riza. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why? I, uh, <laughs> all sorts of reasons. Yeah. Sex stuff. Uh, um, I just, I don't believe you, Tim. <laughs> uh, not the planet where they kill you for walking on the grass. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it would just be Earth, but it's TNG Earth. Okay. I think, yeah. like, I, w- I would just love to live on the planet I'm on now with a similar, you know, human culture, but uh, with all the fucking shit that I'm real tired of fixed. Like I like you know, public transit is amazing, and everyone gets education and all that. Like that just sounds pretty great. I don't know the planets at all. I will mm. admit to that. That is like I do in Star Wars, but only because I worked on the books. Mm. Like I honestly don't. I, I'm I'm racking my brain trying to think of it of describing them with anything other than a geographical function. You, you do all right on Vulcan though. Yeah. Yeah, you know what, Vulcan. I would Vulcan, do all right yes. on Vulcan because I feel like 
uh, uh, they are they are coded autistic, and it would be yep. a little bit. I think I would probably be the one place. I think they have an eye contact thing, though. They all hold eye contact a lot. It sure seems. Seems yeah. like it's that's one of their things. That I, mean, I could is one of their things. Yeah, so. I could. I, I could. I just wear sunglasses. <laughs> and, and I'm torn between Vulcan and Andoria because oh, yeah. because Vulcan, you know, fascinating for their long history. Andoria because my gene structure comes from the cold part of Europe. Say, yeah, that's right. like cold and mountainous. Very right? cold and yeah, mountainous. Yeah. yeah. And, and would just be, there. would be quite fascinating, as especially as they got a chance to expand the Andorians. I mean, pretty much they were blue guys with antennas in the original series, and they go in the in Enterprise. We can play with them. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, the mountains and the valleys in Risa for you, right? Yeah. Just the, the mountains yeah. and the valleys. <laughs> he's, a, he's more of a mountain man than a valley man. If you remember, it's me. like a party planet. That's where all the best science fiction conventions are. I'm just I like saying. It. I just like a real nice rounded butte. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I, but honestly, I, if I'm 930 years in the future and I've got a personal transporter, it probably would be Earth because I could yeah. like go anywhere I fucking wanted at well, any moment. Like, and for oh, for your and, answer of Andoria too, I feel like the Andorians are probably culturally most close to humans. Yes. Like in terms of you know they're oh, so they're assholes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah kind of assholes. Yeah, they're kind of. I mean, they're not the the like comedic exaggeration of our negative characteristics like the Frangi, but they are kind of pretty close to. Yeah, although DS Nine did their best to yeah make the, to really expand the mm -hmm. Frangi. Um, Iris Stevens' bare creation of the um, rules of acquisition yes. was brilliant. To be honest, I'm glad DS9 exists if for no other reason than because we have the meme females. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anytime a guy says females, you can post that and let him know how creepy he sounds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's uh, uh, Rom's uh, like leftist workers' rights awakening is one of the oh, my yeah. fa my favorite things of yeah. Star Trek. But uh, my favorite Ferengi moment is just him, uh, uh, basically a Ferengi reading Marx and going like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> <laughs> like, like the goblins in uh, uh, the Watch. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the yeah. goblins in the Watch. I have a pamphlet you need to read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're being exploited, brother. <laughs> Which is pure Pratchett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, that is our discussion of Star Trek and Star Trek Discovery. A uh, new season coming up in uh, January. There's a new season of The Lower Decks coming up pretty soon. August. Uh, August. season of Picard is filming, I believe. It's filming, and they're fuzzy, and whether it's December or not, they're not going to run two new treks at the same time. They may do what they did in this last year, which we had 23 weeks of new Star Trek. Nice. That would be, that would be you know, kind of sexy, right? All right. Thanks, Scott, for joining us as our Trek expert. We Yay. really appreciate it. We've been Geeks Without God. We are back in-person recording for the time being. Of course, if, you know, things get bad, we will go back to remote recording. But hopefully, hopefully we will be able to record together for some time to come. We are running out of five questions. We are so low on five questions. We're going to just start ask, having to ask each other, how are you? Five mm -hmm. times mm -hmm. per episode. I will come up with five questions. I have incessant level numbers of questions. Yeah, don't but don't let that happen. They're not going to be good. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> don't let it happen. Uh, it's better if you ask us questions than if we do. Save us. So uh, please <laughs> send your questions to five questions at geeks.god.com. Our new website is coming along quite well. Thank yeah, you we to our Patreon preview. supporters. Soon we will have a new shiny website, courtesy of our good friend Jeffrey Brown. And we're going to be back next week with another episode because we're good at that. Thanks yeah. so much for joining us. Bye. Bye. Bye.
We're doomed. We're gonna die. I'm Michael Burnham. We're saved. We're geeks. We're geeks. We're geeks without God. Until next time, you can find us blogging at geekswithoutgod.com. You can follow us on Twitter at geekswithoutgod, and you can even like us on Facebook. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, geeks without God. She just wrote him a letter, impassioned letter, 